You know and I know it's been difficult to get accurate information when it comes to this worldwide pandemic of COVID-19 and all its variants. Well, today, I've got somebody to help me sift through all this data. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to the Monday and Labor Day edition of Truth to Ponder. Before I get to my guest, Dr. Roger Hotkinson, just a couple of thoughts. I, I always look back at this time of the year and remember my childhood. I was very fortunate. I spent a lot of time on the water, in the water, all summer long. And the last big party that we had at a beach was always on Labor Day. And then shortly thereafter, the Wednesday after Labor Day, school began. And in a way, another new year began in our work life and our school life. I think we've lost sight of it during this age of pandemic. My guest today is somebody, someone shared a video with me from this doctor in Canada. And what he said, just cut to the chase. He said everything that needed to be said. And I reached out and I am so thankful that that his staff let him know that I had written and he responded to me and agreed to be on this radio program. His name is Dr. Roger Hotkinson. He's a medical specialist in pathology, a graduate of Cambridge University, and a fellow of the College of American Pathologists and the Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons of Canada. In his very distinguished and long career, he's had many leadership roles in Canadian medicine, both provincially and nationally. He's been a university teacher, National Pathology Board Examiner, Laboratory Accreditation Inspector. He was previously the president of the Alberta Society of Laboratory Physicians, an assistant professor in the Facility of Medicine at the University of Alberta, and also the CEO of a large community-based medical laboratory with a full menu of testing for all types of infectious diseases and virology. He is currently the chairman of the American biotechnology company active in DNA sequencing. So here's a man that has a lot to share about this virus and how our world has responded. So I want to welcome Dr. Roger Hotkinson to the program today. So Dr. Hotkinson, as we begin this interview today, and we look at all the things that we have done all across the globe, lockdown, this, that, and the other. What what can we actually do to mitigate this virus? Well, the answer to your question is, is very straightforward. It's a single word, nothing. Um, a little nuance uh, on that, but for the working well, the vast majority of the population, absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. We should have handled this like we did previous flu epidemics. Uh, common sense, you don't cough in the face of someone in front of you at a grocery store. The mm-hmm. only nuance is extra protection for the elderly in nursing homes. Absolutely. They should all have vitamin D and early treatment if they started getting sick. That was it, period, underlined. People like my wife and myself, because we are both in our 60s, what are the kind of things we, we should be doing just you know, general uh, health, vitamins, whatever you want to call it, what kind of things should anybody be doing during a pandemic, let alone any other good time of the year? Well, the most important thing is to live life normally, not worry, Mm -hmm. because life is full of risks. Driving 
a car that's coming at you, every single car could kill you. Mm -hmm. We accept that risk. So live normally, hug, smile, do all the usual things in life. Um, that's the most important thing because they're building a pandemic of fear more than anything else. Mm -hmm. So uh, get that given, um, there's not much evidence for washing of hands. In fact, the stuff in there is pretty toxic at the end of the day. There's, not, there's no evidence for any of the mandates, um, no scientific evidence. Nothing works, nothing works. Mass, social distancing, mm -hmm. travel bans, lockdowns, etc., etc. Nothing works. So the average person lives, like, should live life normally and hug and smile, take vitamin D, 5,000 international units a day, mm -hmm. 50 milligrams of zinc, and um, maybe you could add quercetin to that. It's an optional addition. Mm -hmm. But that is it. Nothing special. Shake hands. Pick your nose. Do everything you normally do. Hmm. <laughs> you know, the other day, I was in a, a place just the other day. And uh, most places where we live at in, in, in our part of Georgia and also in our part of Florida when we're down there, most of the places do not require people to wear the face mask or the face coverings. But you, you find a couple of places here and there where they're very, very concerned about it. And they, and they may suggest it or you'll find like an elderly couple walking in and they, they have nothing but fear on their face as they're wearing exactly. this two for a dollar from Walmart face mask and and i really believe because i made it i made a little comment i probably shouldn't have but i i was talking to somebody else to make sure they could hear me and i said i'm always amazed at people that think wearing a face mask gives them protection from covid19 and the other person said well, you know as well as i do it has and this was actually at a veterinarian's office oh they don't provide any protection and the look on those two people's faces like what are you talking about don't they, aren't these a magic exactly. mask? They act like it's a magic no. mask. What what is no, the not story? at all. It's it's like it's like the impossibility of stopping a mosquito with a chain link fence. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. It's it's ridiculous. First of all, physically. Um, secondly, it's been shown not to be effective with clinical trials. The famous one being done in Denmark. Um, it has all that masks have all kinds of complications, especially for children with Absolutely. carbon carbon dioxide levels in their blood. So the the evidence is is there in spades. But more than anything, don't you think that modern medicine over a period of decades would have figured out if masks worked for the flu? Of course we would. Mm -hmm. The reason we don't wear masks during the flu is very simple reason. We know they don't work. Mm -hmm. End of story. This is no different. What, what in, can you give maybe your thoughts on what has driven all of this for people to act and do the things that we've done at the government level? Is, is there anything that comes to mind? Well, yes, I, I'm, I've been a student of this, as you might imagine. Um, quite apart from the, the, the medicine side of this, there's the psychology side of it. And it's very important that people understand this. There's a classic, classic interrogation technique used in Guantanamo Bay, used in people in solitary confinement. You can break anyone if you do these three things on an individual. And if you do them on, the, on society, you will break society as well. And this is what they've done with meticulous intent. This is not an accident. First of all, they've driven fear. 
mm-hmm. constantly with the PCR test and the scariants, as I call them. The PCR test is wrong 99% of the time in people who are perfectly well. It drives a graph in the morning paper that gives the politicians the reason to do things. Mm-hmm. That's the first point. Fear. The second point is ignorance. People kept intentionally ignorant of any counter-narrative so that they are ill-informed and have no basis for making an informed decision about what I'm going to say last. The second thing is ignorance. Intentional, orchestrated internationally by journalists, the media, but in particular physicians who've been brutally silenced by their Mm -hmm. colleges and regulatory bodies to make the decision, your choice, income Mm -hmm. or not. You choose. Ethics, Ethics or income, you choose. So that's the second element. We've dealt with fear, mm-hmm. we've dealt with ignorance, but the third important element is isolation. All right. Otherwise known in this context, self-quarantine, right? So you do these three things consistently over a period of time. Right. And you end up with a quivering blob of protoplasm in the corner that's looking for help. Please let me out. Please stop this. So along they come with the solution, the magic solution, the vaccine, the needle at your door. Right. And they say, listen, you stupid lot, you can, we'll take the dogs off. We'll let you live life normally. We'll get you off this hook that we have created by these ridiculous arbitrary measures that have no basis in medical science. We'll take the dogs off. If you stupid, unwashed lot, Take mm-hmm. this vaccine right. and play the roulette game. Play the roulette game to get some protection, which we now know is waning dramatically because the, vac- the, the virus is always one step ahead of you. The RNA viruses always mutate, mm-hmm. always mutate constantly. And you can never, ever get ahead of them. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. That's why they're talking about triple shots and booster jabs and da 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 da. Are you kidding me? I'm yeah. looking at this every single year for the rest of our lives. Are yeah, you two or two play? or three, two or three times a year too. If they're talking five months, you could be looking at this somebody absolute, getting it three times a year. This is absolute medical madness on two two counts. The first one is this is nothing worse than a bad seasonal flu. For the vast majority of people, children in particular, fewer people are dying of this than the flu. All right. It is killing, unfortunately, a, a small increment of elderly people with comorbidities. But we never, ever quarantine the well to protect the vulnerable. It's never been done in medical history. To shut down the world's economy every year to protect granny in the nursing home is ludicrous logic. Absolutely ludicrous. But which brings a couple of questions to mind. A lot of people... And I can understand the questions that they would ask, and they're looking for answers. Number one, we were told, apparently, a a lie earlier this year that, hey, these things are 95 or 93 percent, you know, effective for for dealing with the coronavirus. And people were led to believe 
that all they had to do was take this shot, come back in about a, less than a month and and get your second shot. And, and within days, you'll be bulletproof. And we were told that once you get the shot, you can even take off your face mask because you don't need it anymore. Uh, let, me ex- let me explain. Let me explain that sleight of hand. Okay. Because it is a mal- malicious manipulation of the statistics. Ninety. So let's take ninety. Let's take ninety percent as a rough example. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's say, for example, they were saying this is a gives you ninety percent protection. All right. Well, <laughs> how how was that? How was that number derived? What they what they did was they took a ratio between the number of people that got infected and the number of people. Um, after vaccination, the people number of people who got infected with the vaccine and the number of people who got infected without the vaccine. All right. right. Okay. And they express those two as a ratio, which comes out, in this case, for argument's sake, at 90%, right? 90%, 90% difference. However, just imagine a graph, right, in which you have a huge vertical axis, and at the very bottom, you have an almost invisible line that represents one okay all right and that and let's say that represents the number of people who are dying um uh who've uh, got the vaccine all right and then you have another line that's slightly above that that's 10 right mm-hmm. that those are the people that are dying um who've not had the vaccine now clearly more people are dying who not had the vaccine than were vaccinated but the absolute number is minuscule Right. It's simply the ratio between those two very small, very small bars at the bottom of the graph. All right. It's not 96 percent at the top of the graph at all. It's simply the ratio between the relative, the relative risk, not the absolute risk. The absolute risk is is trivial for for the grand in the grand scheme of things. The absolute Mm -hmm. risk is trivial. Now, we've heard, I've read this, and I I would like your take on it, because I'm not certain of its accuracy, but there there are many people that are beginning to believe that some of these new variants may be driven by those that are vaccinated. Now, what what is your thoughts on that possibility? Well, I wouldn't say driven by the individuals who've been vaccinated so much as being driven by the vaccination of people during a pandemic. Um, Robert Malone, the the inventor of the mRNA vaccine Mm -hmm. idea, has expressed this very clearly, and it's called selection pressure. Um, If in the middle of an epidemic, which which is not when we usually vaccinate people, we vaccinate people before epidemics, right, in order to protect them, not during epidemics or pandemics. So what, what seems to be happening is you vaccinate all these people against um, original versions of this virus. Right. And that's, based on, and, that, and that's based on the spike protein, correct? Yes, that's right. The original spike protein, the original one, which is then, which has mutated many times since then. But the point is, the vaccinations are much more effective at knocking out, killing, if you like, the, the previous versions of the virus but it's mutated so much now with the Delta variant that the vaccination uh, currently being administered is virtually ineffective against the Delta variant. Mm-hmm. So what that does is that puts great pressure on the many vari- variations of the virus out there to allow the, the ones that are not being killed to proliferate. 
And the more that there are out there, the more likelihood there is that they themselves will mutate into the next version and so on and so on and so on. Mm-hmm. So you get this selection pressure if you, if you vaccinate in the middle of a pandemic, which wouldn't otherwise be the case. All right. So the vaccinations are themselves uh, prolonging this pandemic by forcing the emergence of even more mutations. And these mutations would tend, as I, I've been reading, to be even more infectious to the population. Is that correct? That turns out to be the case, but most importantly, not more virulent, not more dangerous. Mm-hmm. Therefore, therefore, translation for the lay public, we're making this thing more infectious. That is actually a good thing. It mm-hmm. means increased transmissibility, building herd immunity the natural way without a vaccine being needed at all. What most people like Peter McCullough and Robert Malone and Mike Eden and Paul Alexander, Harvey Reich, um, Martin Kuldor, Jay Bhattacharya, et cetera, et cetera. The guys that really know what they're talking about say. In other words, they're not, they're, not the, they're not the folks at Facebook that know everything about medicine and they tell you what you're supposed to think. These are the cream of the cream, all right? Um, what they're saying is essentially this. Look, if we, as per the Great Barrington Declaration way back, if we'd done nothing except focus protection for the elderly with traditional methods, and now ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, mm-hmm. this thing would be over by now because we'd be messing with something that we can't control. And by messing with it, we've simply prolonged the pandemic and encouraged the emergence of all these variants. Mm-hmm. You cannot ever control an upper respiratory tract virus pandemic. It is impossible to do. The literature shows there is no consensus of any measure that can control an upper respiratory virus pandemic. Mass social distancing, travel bans, lockdowns do not work. And we found increasingly that vaccines, not only do they not work, but they're profoundly dangerous. The, mm-hmm. the benefit is, 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 is almost commensurate with the number that are being killed. Wow. Let me give you an example of that, if I may. All right. From um, two speeches that I gave just last week, each had about 400 people in the room. And I, I asked them this question, different cities. I asked them this question. I'd like everyone to put their hand up if they know someone personally who's had a serious adverse reaction to, to the vaccination. Not a, not a sore arm, not a fever, not feeling lousy for a few days, but people who've had a stroke, a heart attack, or a pulmonary embolus. Put up your hand. I was amazed. In each of those two meetings, independently, different cities, approximately 20% of the people there put up a hand. Mm-hmm. Now, what that tells you is there's massive massive underreporting of not just the trivial things of a sore arm and a headache and all that, but serious near-death adverse reactions. Right. And we don't hear about all of them. And That's the problem. And it's being massively, massively underreported. The, the VAERS system is, is, is uh, self-reporting. The, the CDC has, has gone live, as you know, with the internal whistleblower who's Signed an affidavit under pain of jail, right? If, if it's perjury, 
And uh, that whistleblower has said the CDC's own statistics are showing that at that point, it was a few months ago, 45,000 deaths in the States directly due to the vaccine. Wow. CDC stats. CDC stats. But they don't want the public to know 000. that. No, to put, to put that in context, over the last 30 years, there have been fewer than 45,000 deaths from all vaccines put together over a period of 30 years. That's how dramatically different this is from anything that's ever happened with any mm-hmm. vaccination program in history. And I'll say one more thing about that to get people's attention. Listen to me. If it was on video, I'd say, read my lips. I'm going to say one word, and it should scare the jeebas out of you. The word is thalidomide. Thalidomide. Thousands of kids born without arms and legs because the pregnant woman was given this drug. Hmm. That is the kind of thing that could happen now. We haven't a clue what could... There have been absolutely no studies on the effect of this vaccination on the developing fetus. None whatsoever. They never had time. They never made the time. And they didn't need the time because the whole thing was was a hoax from the get-go. It never was a public health emergency. Nowhere close. Not in a month of Sundays. No. No, nowhere close. It was just an, a bad seasonal flu. But, but because it, it, they, they got carried away with Ferguson's projections from Imperial College London. Mm-hmm. And they, Which were total nonsense. Armageddon, oh, yeah. Armageddon was, was coming. Oh, I remember. Three million would die by last summer in the United States was, right, was, the, was right. the prediction. I worked for a county. We were told to expect 3,000 dead in our county. And we had 43 people, not 3,000, by the time we got into the summer. That's right. And people must realize, I'm talking as a pathologist now, and I'm not being callous when I say this. I'm just a hardcore evidence-based guy. Death happens. Get used to it. It's impossible to stop. Mm -hmm. Politicians should not be in the business of preventing death other than putting lines down the middle of the road and making sure you wear seatbelts and all that kind of good stuff. No, it's the job of medicine, medicine, not politics, to treat people, advise people on what to do with informed consent. Informed consent has been specifically and intentionally denied people by the brutal censoring of every source of information other than what government chooses to put out. That's correct. Let me give you an let me give you an example of that. Driving home here uh, in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, I would I would drive past a, a billboard that said this, and I quote: "If this isn't the most Orwellian statement, so perfectly crafted to persuade, stay young and healthy, get vaccinated." Could you think of a more upside down statement than that? Mm. It's exactly the opposite. Vaccinate kids who are not going to die of this, but subject them to all the risks of immediate damage and quite possibly long-term infertility. Are you off another planet? This is the this is the most outrageous medical experiment ever performed in medical history. My guest today is Dr. Roger Hodkinson. He's a medical specialist in pathology, graduate of Cambridge University in England, and a fellow of the College of American Pathologists and so many other degrees and awards and accolades. He currently lives in Alberta, Canada. 
And he is speaking out against so much of what he has been seeing as an experienced person in the medical field. You and I both know, if you're listening to this program, there's been so much done in the name of COVID that has been actually harmful and ridiculous. And people begin to wonder, what is the real agenda behind all of this? Or is there an agenda? On this program, when we started this just over a year ago, we've looked at this pandemic. We've looked at the conditions around us in our world today. And I'm just trying to get a better idea, a better idea of what to expect in the days, months, and years going forward. As a Christian, I I look at these as very turbulent and tumultuous times. It'll be a time coming up very soon, I believe, of increased tribulation. Now, a lot of people want to jump in there with the mark of the beast, and this must be the great tribulation. I'm not going to stand up here and say that that is the case or not. However, I would be preparing for it as if it would be the great tribulation, and I'd be preparing for it thinking in terms of don't look for an escape hatch to get out of it. So we need to be prepared. I've never seen my government, I can't remember the Canadian government or the Australian or or the British, the UK government doing some of the things that they're doing in response to this virus. There's something they're not telling us. There's something they're being dishonest with. That's all I can tell you. It It just doesn't add up. If you believe in the ministry of truth to ponder, and bringing guests on like like Dr. Roger Hotkinson. Would you consider helping with the airtime bill? We pay for our shortwave airtime, and I'm trying to get as many frequencies and directions to cover as many people as possible. Of course, we are available as a podcast and will continue as long as that door is open. If you can help us financially, our mailing address is 21 Berkshire, 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. That's number 263. We're in Sky Valley, two words, Sky Valley, Georgia, and the zip code is 30537. Or of Dr. Roger Hawkinson on the other side of the break. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Beerman. The mystery of the autumn holidays. In a moment. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection. And get your pen out so you don't miss a special free gift you're going to get. Now, I'm going to introduce you in a nutshell to the mysteries of the awesome holy days of autumn. Each one of them contains a prophetic mystery, but also some wonderful spiritual truths you can apply right now. There are three. The first is Rosh Hashanah, the biblical feast of trumpets, the day the trumpets are blasted telling God's people to stop what they're doing, get ready to meet the Lord. The second, Yom Kippur, the awesome biblical day of atonement, the most holy day when God's people repent and come into his presence to be washed and forgiven. And the last, Sukkot, which is the wonderful Feast of Tabernacles, the great seven-day biblical celebration when God's people give thanks and rejoice in his blessings. Now, the amazing thing is, when you put them all together, they form a sentence and a powerful message from God that can change your life. In one word, the message of the Feast of Trumpets is stop. The message of Yom Kippur, repent. And the Feast of Tabernacles, rejoice. Put it together, you got a profound message from God. Stop, repent, and rejoice. So simple and so powerful. You see, God wants you to rejoice, but the truth is you can only rejoice in as much as you repent. And the truth is you can only repent as much as you stop. So you want real joy? Then you need to really repent. You want real repentance? Then you need to really stop. 
No matter what you've been doing or what you haven't been doing, no matter where your life has been going or hasn't been going, stop. You can't change if you don't stop. Dare to stop. Take a break today, my friend. Take a good look and come to God. You see, God wants you to have real joy and blessings in your life. But it all starts by stopping. Now the free gift for you. The mystery of the temple doors. You'll love it. And sapphires with the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Special teachings, updates on Israel, world events and prophecy, and the secrets of strength and victory for every day of your life. How do you get all these free gifts? Easy. Just remember Jesus' Hebrew name, Yeshua, and dial it. That's it. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. Call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now I invite you to join with me in bringing salvation back to God's ancient nation, Israel, and all the unreached peoples on five continents with over a billion people. Just call now. one 800 Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. That's Yeshua 1. Or write me direct, the nice Jewish boy at box 1111, Lodi, that's L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's a nice Jewish boy, box 1111, Lodi, New Jersey, 07644. Well, until next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying, Shalom Alechem, peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah Or Ha'olam, the light of the world. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And I want to welcome you back to part two of this Monday edition. By the way, here in the United States, of course, Labor Day edition of Truth to Ponder. And I am your host, Bob Bierman. Going to go back to our guest in just a moment, Dr. Roger Hotkinson from Canada. And look him up. There's some excellent videos and wonderful materials. This is a doctor that is willing to stand out and tell the truth. And, and many doctors in Canada and across the United States and around the world have not given in to the political or financial pressure, and they're willing to stand up and be counted. And Dr. Roger Hotkinson is one of those doctors. He lives in Alberta, Canada. And when I saw a video that he had done, a short one, it just impressed me because he just came out and called everything as he saw it. The Facebooks, the Twitters, the mainstream media all across the world has got a singular narrative that the the CDC or the WHO is always right and anybody else's opinion must be wrong. It doesn't matter how many times the CDC has changed their position. Doesn't doesn't matter how many times the WHO gets it wrong. It doesn't matter how much Dr. Fauci flip-flops and changes direction entirely and throws out decades of known science to be political. Dr. Roger Hotkinson, he stands up and says, no, listen carefully to what I have to say. And and trust me, I'm like many. I know this virus is dangerous. I know it is infectious. But I really believe that much of what we're doing in response to this is irresponsible to begin with. We have probably made this entire pandemic worse by the actions. I'm fully convinced from so many that I've read, so many that understand this type of medicine better than I do, that are willing to stick their necks out, their careers and their finances to do so. Why would anybody put their livelihood 
and reputation at risk for a lie. There are too many that are now standing up, and Dr. Roger Hotkinson is one of them. So my question as we come back, Dr. Hawkinson, is simply this. How is this virus transmitted from one person to another? We've heard all kinds of stories and, and thoughts and concepts. We've done all kinds of things to try to mitigate it. So let's kind of begin again. How is a coronavirus like, like SARS-CoV-2, which gives us COVID-19, how is this virus essentially spread within a society or in a community? Let's, um, let's start from scratch. Um, this virus, the Corona-19 virus, has everyone's familiar with these spikes sticking out of them. Well, the spikes um, uh, have a specific receptor in the human body. It's called the ACE2 receptor, A-C-E-2 receptor. That's how the virus gets in. It attaches to a receptor. And that receptor is present over your upper respiratory tract in the back of your throat. And so it attaches to your membrane there, and uh, because of the attachment, cells die, and it gets into the tissues um, around that area, Mm -hmm. and then potentially into the blood vessels, and that's how you get a systemic illness with COVID-19, because of the spinal protein attaching to the specific receptor that's present in your airways. Okay. All right. That's the infect. That's the infection. Now the vaccination is similar um, in the in the sense that you are injected with tiny tiny particles called lipid nanoparticles, really very very small, and inside is packaged the instructions to make spike protein by your own body. All right. Your body becomes a new factory to make the same spike protein that was on the original virus that was coming around last year. Was that correct? Precisely. All right. Precisely. And so the spike protein is then presented to your immune system to react to with antibodies and what we call cellular immunity with with lymphocytes in order to create immunity to to COVID-19. All right. Now, that is the ideal state. What it does not reflect is the reality that we are all different. And every biological function follows a bell, most of them follow a bell-shaped curve. Most people are in the middle. Some people are, a few people are at either end. All right. Like the IQ curve, right? Mm-hmm. And most biological functions funk are exactly like that. All right. So some people, we believe, are at the extreme right-hand side of that bell curve. And they produce a massive overproduction of spike protein, which is too much for the the lymphoid system to mop up and react to. All right. And so then guess what happens? The obvious happens. It escapes general circulation, which has been shown to be the case. So it's now in danger territory. It's not where it should be in the pit. It's Mm. now everywhere in the body, in every blood vessel. Wow. And unfortunately... Unfortunately, the receptor for the spike protein, that ACE2 receptor, is also heavily expressed on the inside of every blood vessel in the body. All right. In particular, capillaries, which have the slowest moving blood because you want gas exchange and glucose exchange to keep all your cells alive. 
So these, this spike protein now attaches to the ACE2 receptor on the inside of capillaries in many parts of the body and initiates a thrombotic process, a blood clotting process. <clears throat> That's why I'm now calling the vaccination the clot shot because that is how all these serious complications happen. You have to imagine now that the capillaries drain into veins. Right. And the propagation of that clot into a vein, if it gets big enough, can be enough to produce a clinical syndrome that can kill you. It can cause uh, clots in, blood clots in the legs that are now big enough to break off and produce mm. pulmonary emboli. It can produce blood clots in veins in the head, the central venous sinus problem that people might have heard about. Right. And it, it can also make, cause clots in arteries too, like heart attacks. So that's the, that's the general method by which this process happens. And, and, and it, we think it's a, in a, in a time an, frame. An in a time frame, how long does something like that? Do we know how long that process may take, or is it going to vary wildly? Well, it, it does vary. Um, again, most those studies were not done, were not published. But if we look at the the um, interval between vaccination and serious adverse events. Um, that interval typically is a few days to a week or two at the outside. All right. That's the period of time that that spike protein is circulating in the body and creating these unfortunate complications. Now, as if that wasn't bad enough, let me put the fear of death, literally, into people out there with this observation. It's now known from separate studies in Canada and in Germany that 60% of people who have been vaccinated, who feel perfectly well, that's the important thing, who simply have a sore arm, right? That's it. 60% mm-hmm. of those people, without a stroke or a heart attack or a pulmonary embolus or anything like that, 60% of them show a positive blood test. We call it the D-dimer test. All right. The D, capital D hyphen D-I-N-E-R, the D-dimer test, which is a laboratory test to detect the presence of blood having clotted somewhere in the body. All right. But these people don't have a clinical syndrome. They feel perfectly well other than a sore arm. So what does that translate into for the lay person? It means that there is distributed random blood clotting taking place in many capillaries throughout the entire body that isn't sufficiently concentrated in any one area to produce a presentation with a typical medical syndrome. Okay. But those capillaries that are blocked will be killing the cells that they serve quietly, quietly Mm -hmm. throughout the entire body without any method to identify it. Wow. Except that... Certain organs like the heart and the brain that mm-hmm. do not regenerate, you are therefore reducing the reserve of those organs that we, rely, that we rely upon as we get older so that these people may be, may be, we, there's no way of studying it at this time, but it's serious, obviously a very serious risk. These people may be coming down with premature onset of congestive cardiac failure, heart failure, Hmm. and may be coming down with premature onset of dementia. Wow. Now, these, these are such serious long-term risks 
you would imagine that given the gravity of that, quite apart from infertility risks in, in the future. Yeah, that's another question I want to get into in a moment, too. But go ahead. You'd think, you'd think, you'd think that given the immense importance of that, that in the normal scheme of things, in a five to seven year clinical trial, that would have been studied and ruled out or ruled in and therefore the vaccine trashed. Mm-hmm. But that's not happened. And all for something that is not is killing fewer people, fewer of the working well, than a regular flu. Does this, this does not make any sense whatsoever. It's medical madness that's going on. And the stakes are high. The stakes are enormous. It's a roulette game that they're playing with billions of people, billions of lives. And, and we, we were talking uh, off, offline earlier today. And one of the things that concerns me, we, we have this, I know here in the United States, and I'm sure it's the same up in Canada, uh, the idea that we need to now get children vaccinated, for what reason, I don't know. It makes no sense right. to me. We don't know the long-term effect. We have colleges and universities here in the United States. Get the shot or don't come. They, they want to get that. They want their entire student body vaccinated. Now, from your perspective, me, what, ex- what sense does that make, if any? I don't think that it does. I'll express that very, very quickly and clearly. There is a single death reported in all of North America in a child from COVID who's not had an unfortunate, severe underlying disease that's compromised their immune system, such as chemotherapy, for example. Mm-hmm. Not a single death, not one. Correct. Most children, if they get any symptoms at all, many of them simply shrug it off and just get an antibody response so that we know they've had it. Children who come down with COVID, it's simply a bad cold, a slight cough. It's a trivial matter. But we have teachers unions. We have teachers unions here screaming, vaccinate the children so the teacher doesn't die. That which I think is silliness. That's been shown categorically to be a falsehood. Children are not spreaders of COVID. Asymptomatic spread does not occur. A a teacher is more likely to die in the course of a year from a head-on collision driving to work than is likely to die of COVID. That's how how ridiculous that argument is. Mm -hmm. Children should not be the scapegoats for the teacher's union so they can sit at home on a fat salary while everyone else is hemorrhaging. No, there's absolutely no rationale for it. Not only that, but children have their whole lives ahead of them. Mm-hmm. And why would be, I, I call it, I, this is what I'm saying publicly now. Has it really come to this? Child sacrifice to appease the new gods? Mm. The Aztecs found out that that didn't make the rain fall and it won't make any difference now. Sacrificing our children to protect granny in the nursing home is the most obscene concept that you could possibly think of because there is no benefit and there's huge risk, not just from immediate short-term consequences like myocarditis, inflammation of the heart, but serious long-term risk that should have been studied and wasn't. There's all kinds of scientific reasons why we should be extremely concerned about future fertility problems in both males and females 
for different reasons, and I can I can expand on that if you wish. Yes, and I want to get into that in a moment. One thing a lot of people will say, but what about all these people that are in the hospital right now of the unvaccinated and they're 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 dying or this or that or the other? Well, what what is the story? And something just tells me. You can take numbers and make them say whatever you want. Absolutely. I've known a lot of people in the past year or so that have had that have gone through COVID illness. They they've had it. Some had a rough ride, some not so bad. Uh, One had a close call, but he also had terrible care early on. And they waited way too long to to deal with him until they waited till his oxygen level was down in the danger zone and to try to bring him back which is really not the yep. way to do this. I mean, this is like craziness. And we talked about that before, too. It's kind of like, wait till you're dying before you come back. Yes, you're, you're seated, seen in a hospital to determine if you're bad enough to be admitted. The, the, the deciding point is often the oxygen level, the PO2 level. If the PO2 level is not low enough, they basically say to you, go home. Subtext, mm-hmm. come back when you're blue. They don't say go home with this package of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, which according to Peter McCullough, the most experienced person in the entire world on treatment of COVID. Mm-hmm. If, you treat, if you treat COVID early and hard with these agents in his protocol. Especially people that would be at risk. risk. Especially elderly, people that say in their 70s. Precisely. Yeah. His estimation is that 85% of those people that have that are now dead would still be alive. Mm-hmm. So that that's grotesque medical malpractice, denying people agents that could well save their lives simply because you want to force the unvaccinated to get vaccinated. The and, coercion and the numbers, you know, the number, the numbers game, you know, that is played. I know here in the United States, Jesse Jackson ends up in the ICU and he's fully vaccinated, but they don't want to talk about that. Well, the the, the it's the Delta variant, unfortunately, mm-hmm. because of the messing around that's been going on. It's the Delta variant that's now predominant internationally, and we know that the the vaccines that are being used offer very little protection against the Delta variant. And those people that are now in hospital, I believe, depending on the country, um, most of the people that are in hospital with the Delta variant uh, are, in fact, those that have been vaccinated. Mm-hmm. It's producing very little protection. It doesn't only, it's not only that it doesn't stop you getting infected with the De- Delta variant, but it doesn't stop you being infectious if you get it. Um, which is the whole intent of vaccination, isn't it? To stop other people as well getting, <laughs> exactly. getting the infection. Well, you so, know, uh, yeah, the whole thing is, is an absolute, absolute mess medically. Well, what, what bothered me going back earlier this summer, when, when people started saying, you need to get vaccinated to protect me, and I'm thinking, now, wait a minute, this doesn't even sound right. You're vaccinated, and I'm supposed to get vaccinated to protect you. That's kind of like saying, hey, it's January. It's really cold outside, so you put on a jacket to keep me warm. And that doesn't make any sense. That's When, when someone would say that to me, you know, you need to get vaccinated to, to protect me. To protect you from what? <laughs> That's my question. No, no, in traditional medicine and public health, we vaccinate people for a singular purpose 
to protect the person that's being vaccinated. And in the course of doing so, without coercion, we, we create a sufficient number of people that are uh, immune to the condition mm-hmm. that then keeps it under control essentially for everyone else. But as, a, as, a, as an unintended byproduct, we're actually vaccinating people to keep the vaccinated person well. Mm-hmm. A very nice byproduct of it is that you develop herd immunity if it hasn't happened already. You see, there's enormous herd immunity for coronaviruses already out there. The family of coronaviruses, mm-hmm. the coughs and colds, not just COVID. You see, if you, if you just think about it for a minute, you know, all these nursing homes that had these, these, these terrible deaths of people at the end of life with all kinds of comorbidities that may or may not have died of COVID because of the terrible tests. But that's not the point. The point is that it did not kill everyone in the nursing home. It killed, depending on the nursing home, small numbers or somewhat larger numbers, Mm -hmm. but it did not kill everyone, despite the fact that they were all in close quarters and the virus was everywhere. Mm -hmm. The reason for that is very simple. Old people that lived a long time, that had many coughs and colds of different types of coronaviruses, and they've developed a robust immune system that mm-hmm. protects them mm-hmm. from the latest one. Some people at death's door, for all kinds of other reasons, um, get this, what would otherwise be a trivial infection. And because they're so frail, frailty is something we don't understand medically. If you're in almost at death's door, you just need a little brush on the cheek with something and it takes you away. Mm-hmm. So that's really what was going on. It's so intuitive, this whole, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out so many of these basic things. You know, medicine would have figured out how to control upper respiratory tract pandemics over decades if there was a mechanism known to medical science. That's, uh, secondly, if something, Einstein said something famous about this, didn't he? You know, Fauci should read the books. Um, You know, stupidity is... uh, doing something over and over again and expecting the outcome to be different. Mm-hmm. You know, listen, Fauci, you've had 18 months at this and just maybe, just maybe <laughs> doing the same thing over and over and over again, not working, just maybe, maybe you should consider that it just doesn't work, just maybe, right? <laughs> and, and just maybe, maybe if we've been treating people early like we should have, that many of these thousands that died would still be among the living. And this is what bothers me, is that for we have politicians driving medicine. We don't have the medical people. You have medical people in some countries afraid to say anything because they could lose their livelihood if they go against the political grain. And this, this worries me. Yep. Even in the United States, you have some states that will threaten to pull your license if you go against That's what the, I said, uh... That's what I said way back uh, last year. It's politics playing medicine, and that's a very dangerous game. Stick to your knitting. You are ill-equipped to practice medicine on society. Most of these people in public health haven't a clue what they're doing. Normally speaking, they're monitoring well water and pushing paper on measles vaccinations campaigns. They haven't a clue how to handle something of this magnitude. And it becomes heavily influenced by political pressure for politicians who want to show them the world that they are your savior. They are your protector from every life risk. And they're the ones that, hey, hey, they're the ones that don't do without their paycheck. They're the ones that don't do without their benefits. You may have to lose your restaurant. 
your business, and your they're savings. The that, they're the ones that dine out and um, and fly everywhere and bypass the rules that they created. Oh, but not for Joe Q. Public. No, you're going to be the little peon that follows orders, right? Hey, you got that That's right. That's how revolutions start. That's how revolutions start. You can push people around for just so long before they revolt. What is happening sadly, in Canada? I think it's it's worse than the States. It's it's very similar to Australia and New Zealand. It's mm. draconian, absolutely draconian. Um, mass are being on today or tomorrow. Um, they're, now, they're now focusing on vaccinating children in the schools with inducements of ice cream um, and so on. Uh, curfews, um, arrests, uh, Ministers being arrested, being put in jail. Um, it's, it's a draconian state. How does it come to an end? How does it get fixed? Do you have any, any, any theories, any hopes, any, any, any wise words to share on that? Every person needs to stand up and be counted. Every single person should not r- resist speaking up even at the risk of losing friends, relatives, or even a job or a career. This is so important for society because if they get away with it this time, it's a slippery slope into a socialist dystopia. Not only that, but if they get away with introducing a vaccine like this, so brand new, so dangerous, with no safety studies essentially whatsoever, they've got open season to do it again and again and again and again. It's not supposed to be like that. So you've got to stand up. There, there are many... Otherwise, it's going to be like it's going to be like 1938. Yeah, exactly. A knock on the door. Mm-hmm. A I... knock on the door, and this time the knock on the door will be someone with a syringe. Mm-hmm. And that's what I fear. I really do. We don't know what the long-term effects of this are going to be. I mean, this is this is part of the problem uh, that many people have. We don't know. And there are so many, there are a lot of doctors, there are many credible doctors out there. They all agree on one thing. We're doing this all wrong. Some have feelings that we may have a large dying off of population in the next few years. Some maybe not as dramatic as some may think, but all agree it's going to have a more negative impact on our world than a positive one in terms of these vaccines. That seems to be the consensus, whether it's a a large number, a small number. And the one thing you were mentioning before that we I don't want to forget this, how this may affect fertility in the years and decades to come. But but it's much deeper than that, much deeper than that. COVID is merely an example of what could happen. It's much, much deeper. The The first casualty in all of this is going to be the respect of the medical profession. Once the truth gets out and books are written and the general public become acquainted with how they've been lied to and not protected by the very doctors that they trusted, the respect for the medical profession will take a nosedive, and that is tragic. That is totally tragic. The second major lesson is gain-of-function research, which is the start of this whole mess, is going on internationally. It's not rocket science, and you can create viruses intentionally that would make COVID look like a walk in the park. No lab, having run big labs, I can tell you categorically, no lab anywhere in the world, not even level four labs, can be 100.0000% safe because you have things called people working inside them. That's right. So there there could be a real Armageddon 
because of some malicious scientist in Iran or North Korea deciding to do just that. But the third thing is even more important, and that is the way it's caused us to focus on China as yes. our future enemy. We're currently at war with them. Most people don't realize it. It's That's asymmetric right. warfare, economic warfare. But you don't feed your future enemy. You don't do that. In, in medieval times, you used to put a siege around a castle. You don't feed your enemy. In, in 1938, it was madness to buy stuff from Germany. It should be madness to buy stuff from China now because the, they are simply waiting, biding their time for when they consider themselves to be stronger than us. They will pull the plug at the time of their choosing. They might even be invading Hong Kong next week. If, mm. uh, you know, the old adage in war, never fight two fronts at the same time. That's right. It would be a wonderful time. Weak, weak president and uh, a catastrophe already on his hands with Afghanistan. So there are enormous lessons coming out of this for the world. Not just COVID. Not just COVID. It, things are much bigger than that. The slide into a socialist dystopia. The control by the state. The great resetters getting their teeth into the next one. Are we going to see climate lockdowns next? Where does this end? Where does it end? We have to stop the rot now. And COVID is merely an example of wokeism in action and how everyone is being a little goody two-shoes and following everyone else. But the net result of it all is a very, very scary future for our children. Dr. Hawkinson, I couldn't agree with you anymore. Sorry about the future for my children, my grandchildren, and, and now even my great-grandchildren. There's something happening in this world today, and so many people are living in fear of a virus. They have no hope. They keep looking to their governments and those that promise to care for them for their help and support. My guest in the program today has been Dr. Roger Hodkinson, a medical specialist in pathology, a graduate of Cambridge University, and a fellow of the College of American Pathologists and the Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons of Canada. He's had a long career in many leadership roles in Canadian medicine, both provincially and nationally, including being a university teacher, national pathology board examiner, and laboratory accreditation inspector. He holds many accolades. The man really understands the world in which we live in today. And I hope the program today has been an eye-opener for you to realize there's more than just this virus. We'll get into that later this week. There's other things going on in the background. And I think Dr. Hodkinson is a voice of truth crying out in the wilderness. Do you believe in the work that we're doing here at Truth to Ponder? If so, share it with your friends. Let people know this radio broadcast is on Monday through Friday as a podcast and on radio. If you are listening on radio, would you let me know what station you listen to? Our mailing address is 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263, Sky Valley, Georgia, and the zip code is 30537. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth. 
to ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.